I was thinking about that whole story just because Mike was talking about like the fate of certain characters. Like she texted me like, oh, I really like Kit Fisto. I was like, well, that's sad that he goes out like a bitch in episode three and doesn't even get to do anything <laughs> or say a goddamn word. He smiles in episode two. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and he, yeah, he like force pushes something and then and then he smiles and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But he shows up at the office to confront Palpatine and just literally stands there with his lightsaber up and just gets stabbed. And then he goes, ah! "No, no, he's one yeah. of the ones that la- he's the last one other than Mace Window still up." So he lasts a full yeah. two seconds more than everybody else. Yep. Yes, it, it is marginal, but he does actually make lightsaber contact with Palpatine, which we'll we'll discuss that when the time comes. But they touch tips. They touch tips. <laughs> they do for a second. And Palpatine's just like, Get out. were they were and, they docking? <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough docking in star wars we get a the special special editions are you kidding me there's a ton of docking have you seen all the spaceships <laughs> yeah. docking in and out of each other oh that's true okay all right that's true i rescind is my your comment. ship dock come aboard <laughs> <laughs> the innuendos are plenty it's an older cock sir but it checks out <laughs> Star Wars the Innuendo edition. Oh, you guys blew way past Innuendo. Welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and his Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Andy Stoles. Well, what's up, podcast people? Josh Zorch. No. <laughs> Mr. Movie Slut. <laughs> and Darth Pooby himself, Mike Bradley. Thanks for the plug there. I was going to get into that and say, like, hey, what? Check me out, Darth Pooby on Twitch. That's uh, twitch.tv slash Darth Pooby. Um, <laughs> Coming up, I uh, got some fun content. Uh, still working on some Star Wars Month stuff. I, I was sick last week, so I've been away. Couldn't really talk for a good week there without wanting to shoot myself. So, um, <laughs> we're coming back. We're also going to be streaming Nintendo Switch very soon, as soon as the capture card comes in the mail and I learn how to use it. Um, that's going to be an important step. There is actually learning how to make the thing work. Uh, but we're going to be streaming some uh, some Pokemon, some Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, uh, Breath of the Wild, maybe in some Smash Brothers if we can get some people on to play with me. So, uh, all that coming up, plus more Star Wars content, more other fun shit. Destiny's got a new season coming up. We're going to play it all. It's going to be fun. Cool. You got a lot of stuff on your plate. You know what I just realized that I that reminds me of that I haven't thought about in a long, long time? Uh, that reminds me of all the plugs that Ian used to give <laughs> for all his content and projects and whatnot that weren't real. Right. That, yeah. well, I, I was going to make sure we made that point that Ian's were not real. He was not making girl cock content to put on YouTube. I am doing what I'm talking about, even if not successful yet. I'm working at it. Um, it's a legit website where you can you can find Bradley playing video games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you happen to listen to one of Ian's previous intros where he did that a while ago and you're thinking I'm doing the same thing now, I'm not, I promise. 
Now he's going to scramble to make as much of what he talked about as possible and get it online just to seem like he's proving you wrong. I'm make that Ian's going to make that Twitch account just so he can broadcast all the stuff that he talked about yeah. years ago. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like he, he always used to talk about it being on YouTube, I believe. And then he, he would have other ridiculous websites that he made up on the fly, which he was pretty good yeah. at. Yeah, he but, was. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. How's your audience doing on Twitch? You getting followers? Uh, we're almost affiliated. Uh, what is I don't know what that means. Nothing, basically. It means um, <laughs> almost affiliated means I almost have 50 followers. Um, okay. At 50, you get affiliated. You can start getting subscribers. Um, and then partnered gets you like ad content paid. Like you get paid for ad content on your channel and stuff like gotcha, that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, for subscribers, for instance, like for every person that would subscribe to my channel, I would get $2.50 per month that they subscribe. Oh, nice. So I think you have to hit to get partnered. It's like 2,000 followers. They have a huge gap in there. It's like 50 yeah. to get affiliated and get the subscribe button on your channel and then 2,000 before anything else happens. It's a, that's a big gap. Sounds like you got some work to do. Well, it, it's a long process. People have to notice <laughs> you. You know what I mean? It's not easy getting noticed and all that. I'm sure out of the you... 10 people that listen to this show, you will get one follower. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> um, but maybe. I mean, I'm not going to plug anything more because there's nothing more to plug right now. I will next episode, maybe. Yeah. Darth Pooey on Twitch. Check him out. Yeah. Um, all right. So... For this show, for this episode, we are into December, so I think it's safe to say that most of us are just counting down until The Rise of Skywalker releases. So, of course, we're going to talk some Star Wars content leading up to the movie. Uh, I've been trying to think about what to talk about leading up to Episode 9, and then actually Josh presented me with this idea that has morphed into this episode. So, um, Josh, I don't want to speak for you, but so feel free to chime in at any point of how I'm summarizing this, but... okay. We uh we recently watched the prequels. I know it's been and and that Josh has been listening to another podcast called Binge Mode, which has been mm-hmm. going through a lot of Star Wars content leading up to episode nine. Josh hit me with this idea, which he kind of framed as in defense of the prequels. But the more we kind of talked about that idea, it kind of evolved into I guess what I'm referring to as the prequels revisited. So instead of just outright trying to defend the prequels and point out all the good stuff about them, we're sort of framing this as how the prequels hold up today as opposed to like 20 years ago when they were out. So if you think back then, like when the prequels were released, even hell, even the years since, these movies have kind of been shunned, ignored by certain Star Wars fans. Um, now that we've got some more Star Wars content, especially some very divisive Star Wars content, um, just try to talk about if that's changed anyone's feelings about the prequels or, you know, now that we've got some non George Lucas led movies to compare to, um, that's sort of my jumping off point for this. I don't, anything to add Josh or would that sort of follow no, think, where you're at? Yeah, I think that's I mean, it pretty much captures the spirit. And, um, as I was, I said to you guys, uh, off camera, as, as I suppose off air, um, just before we got started, I think coming at these again, uh, for myself so many years later um I, I i had a much different reaction this time than i did the first time i saw them and so having had you know 20 years of experiencing what sounds like 
is the like I, I feel like I'm, I I was taking in people's impression of these things secondhand. Yeah. And you know, there's the predominant Star Wars culture community, and here is the prevailing opinion. And having refreshed myself on them, wanted to see if the way that certain things hit me this time around uh, still resonate um, with that popular opinion or if it's just seen differently, right. I guess you know, sort of like to bounce ideas off and say like, look, I know they generally seem to these movies, this three especially seem to get shit on quite a bit, right? especially one and two. Um, so just coming out of the, the, the whole whole experience of them as a as a whole trilogy did you know does this make you feel any differently think any differently or am i still sort of on mark with how the uh, you know the fan base typically views them right so we'll we'll go through our discussion we might circle back around to you and see if we've covered or touched on what you want to and and if we need to add anything at that point we could try to do it then uh-huh. um i i feel like it's safe to say that most of us if not all of us, try to come to the defense of the prequels when we can. Um, but I still think for this discussion, of like this isn't just we're going to pump them up sunshine and rainbows. If you have some grievances for these movies that you still want to get off your chest and talk about and stuff, we can we can still cover that stuff. Um, and I'm not really sure where to start, so I'm just going to kind of go back to the beginning. So for each of you, when was the, if you can remember, the first time you watched each of the prequels? Were you all there? For, I'm, I'm sure Josh wasn't, but... Uh, for everybody else, were you guys there on release day when they came out in the theater? Mm-hmm. Yep. Josh, did you end up seeing them? Am I putting words in your mouth? Did you did you see them in the theater when they were released? Oh no, okay. I I I remember the exact time that I did, and it was the only time before like three weeks ago that I ever saw them. Uh, my senior year of college, I. Stayed at school during spring break because I actually had to go take my grad school like entrance exam. Okay. Right. The the GMAT test, and so I was basically at school for an entire week by myself. <laughs> and like my roommate was from Vermont, so he had actually taken the opportunity to go home to see his family for the week, and nobody else was around really. Um. So he had. The prequels, I think, not too far. So this is like, this is March of 2006. So episode three had probably just recently been released on home video. Yeah, sounds about right. And so, yeah, just at some point during that week, I kind of went through them. And that was the only time until, like I said, three weeks ago in November of 2019. Yeah. That I'd ever watched any of the three. Did you, you'd watched the originals before that, right? I had, but I honestly couldn't tell you a time before that in my life that I, in like a dedicated fashion, sat down to watch one or many of them from start to end. Right. So, so when you watched them for the first time, was it actually like part of you was not aware that Jake Lloyd slash Hayden Christensen was going to become Vader? That Anakin was Vader? Like, were you... Did you actually have that like experience? Because I've never met somebody that had that experience specifically. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know. I, I had known enough about what that was, like what the outcome was supposed to be, what the prequels were establishing and what the point of them was that I, I knew that story arc okay. was, was part of it. But 
I'd say probably other other than knowing that that was a main driver and that like Obi Wan was going to be a part of it as well. Yeah, prob probably that's just about the extent of it. Okay, that's fair enough. So the search continues really for the person who end. was genuinely surprised that Anakin turned into Vader. I'm someday. I mean, that's kind of honestly, that's kind <laughs> of a social experiment I would like to do at some point. Is just even is like someone's kid. Well, like, yeah. Whether it's like my niece or cousin or somebody like just that hasn't been exposed to Star Wars before, and literally just start them with Episode One and see how they take it. Like, because, you know, coming into it that young and having no preconceived notion of what Star Wars is or where the story goes. Right. Just starting the way, quote unquote, George Lucas intended. How? Just start at episode one and go and see how they go. See, you know, see, I'm sure there's some logic gaps there that it would stand out to a first time viewer when the rest of us are just like, oh, well, it's supposed to connect. So it makes sense to us. Yeah. See, how, go ahead. How much in the, like, in episode four, five, and six... Um, there is some point where Darth Vader is referred to as Anakin Skywalker, correct? Yes. Yeah, they, they Obi-Wan okay. talks about Anakin without calling him Vader. Yeah. And tells, like, Luke, Anakin was your father, blah, 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 but you don't know that Anakin is Vader, of course, okay. until Vader tells Luke that he's his father, and then you hear the stories about Anakin and stuff from... I believe it's Obi-Wan again later talking about Anakin. That's yeah. where you get the certain point of view. Yes. Yeah. So I th I, I think in order for like a, I th for that kind of experience, Mike, that you're looking for, I think you would maybe need somebody who generally in pop culture recognizes the name and probably the imagery of Darth Vader, but has never seen any of the movies enough to the extent that if you started them in episode one that hearing that name anakin skywalker and that he's buddying around with obi-wan kenobi and this like they would have no reason to connect anything ahead of time because you couldn't start them on episode four five and six and then go back because then that aspect of the surprise would be lost everyone went right. into the prequels knowing that that would be the outcome right and i, I mean i, I was kind of looking more for like just that albatross of an adult that had yeah. seen them at the time they were like coming out, uh -huh. but was actually watching with suspense about what ha what was going to happen in the end to Anakin. Like they, you know, oh, like, okay, you know, like so somebody at that time that had not actually cared or watched or known anything about Star Wars, but got drawn into the hype at the time around that trilogy, and went to see them, and no idea what was going on. I had no idea, you know, where those stories were going to go. It'd just be interesting to see what somebody like that thought of them. I think there's still probably people that, you know, there's adults that exist like that now that have just not watched any of the movies. They probably have, a, like Josh was saying, a passing knowledge of Darth Vader just from pop culture. Yeah, it's kind of... But if they haven't watched blind. the movies, they're not putting Anakin Skywalker together with Darth Vader. Right. So that reveal could still be there if you decide, if you find out someone is, you know, knows who Darth Vader is as a character hasn't seen any Star Wars movies, just plop them down in episode one and see what happens. Right. Would be interesting. 
I would like to do that with an adult sometime and see what they... Yeah, open invitation for anyone listening to this. I don't know why if you've never seen the movies. We just, well, no, no, you know what? I take that back because what we just said spoils everything we're trying to experiment with. So. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we could put the open invitation but, out, yep. but it's not, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> but if you might have a reference to point us to... Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. If you can point yeah. us to somebody. If someone, if someone you know fits this bill... Let it, let us know. We'll try to get in contact. Maybe we can we can film the or, or the record the never seen that stuff around watching Star Wars from episodes one through nine. See how that goes. Um, coming back around uh, after your first viewing for the prequels, do you have any recollection of how you felt about the movies after the first viewing? Oh, I'll let you guys address first. I'm sure you have much more to say than me. I'll let Andy go. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna pitch it to Andy. I was fucking pumped. <laughs> After everyone? Like, yeah. Um, just, you know, I, I immediately went out and bought the soundtracks. And, uh, you know, I think I probably saw all of... I know I saw Phantom Menace at least four times in the theater. Wow. Um, Attack of the Clones at least twice. And I think Revenge of the Sith three times, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think I'm... I'm... I, yeah, I was, I was, I was really jazzed about it. I mean, at that point in Star Wars, I didn't. No one knew if you were ever going to get a chance to go to the theater and watch a Star Wars movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. definitely true. You know what I mean? So, so like these movies coming out, it was like, okay, this is my generation's chance to experience what I didn't get to experience with the original movies and actually going to the theater to watch yep. these. You know what I mean? So I, I try to do, you know, my due diligence and and, and get those done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I enjoyed, like, every second of it. So I, I was pretty jazzed about the whole and thing. some of that stuff on the big screen for the first time, like the pod race or the Battle of Geonosis or, you know, most of the action sequences in Revenge of the Sith are real big. They are, they are meant to be played on a big, loud screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're really good. And I would say that's something like our specific age group has this unique Star Wars experience that others don't, where we grew up watching these Star Wars movies on TV consistently, you know? Oh, yeah. It was like, what what weekend were they always throwing all of the movies on back to back to back to back to back? It was like on TBS. Uh, what was, I always remember like Christmas or like or Memorial Day or Christmas. something. It was just it yeah, was Memorial Day. Just like, it, would just, it would just play and play and play. And awesome. And, you right. know? You just, just sit like, there yes, and Star watch on. all day. And, just, and like, what do you well, do when Star Wars on? Yes, you watch the whole right. damn thing. Even if you had it on VHS. Well, you didn't have to it, rewind when it was know? on TV. You know, right? <laughs> just kept on watching. Jedi ended. New Hope started again. Let's fucking do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we, we got to grow up with that. And then we got to see that come where we knew it had been a big thing in the theater, but we weren't there. We weren't old enough or alive in my case yet. And, right, right. You know, we, we got to see then all the hype coming around with the Fen and Menace. And for me personally, I can remember like the specific experience. Like my family went... We got a like a private box out at the Distinta Theater in North for Sales. Um, <laughs> they did that. Yeah, they had them. Yeah, they had like little concierge that would come to the room and bring you chips and nachos uh-huh. and whatever the yeah. hell you wanted. It was awesome. At the really at that theater, I do not remember that at all. They got rid of it it's after probably, a I while. Think it was, 
I think it was high class when it first opened. Yeah. And it's, wow. it was nowhere near that now. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, no. Uh, that was like ahead of its time. Wow. But, but but I remember that specifically about it because, like, my parents knew that I was, you know, really into it and everything. So they went, you know, the full 10 yards for it, whatever. And I can remember coming out of that as something, seeing, having seen something in that movie that, as a Star Wars fan, we had never seen before. Or something on that scale and the likes of it. And that was the lightsaber battle at the end of Phantom Menace. Yeah, we had never oh seen a yeah. lightsaber battle like that before. They took what you know, like there was lightsaber battles in the original trilogy, but the technology just wasn't there to do what they did. And that, and I would also say the um, uh, the stunt play wasn't re- the the uh, uh, fight scene coordination wasn't there. Right. Or Choreography whatever. is that the word you're the, looking for? The choreography—that's the <laughs> one I was looking for. Thank you. The choreography. Right. <laughs> Lucas in, in the original trilogy was more story based and then he incorporated more of the action when that I feel like that's what he wanted to do and that's why he waited until he did is let the technology catch up to Anakin's story of all these Jedi being around and all this stuff that he destroys, you know? I feel like that's part of why Lucas waited and and didn't do it sooner. He waited until he could make the movies right. And yeah, the tech was a was a big part of George Lucas is always the special effects guy, so that was and I think from what I understand, it wasn't until Jurassic Park that he was like, Well, computers are doing what I need them to do now. I am gonna make more Star Wars. Right. And you know, just the like that scene still today gives me chills. And I think everybody here except for Josh knows the scene I'm talking about. <laughs> um no offense, Josh. You you would never get chills at any of this Star Wars stuff, I know. But there's a moment well, uh- Okay, go ahead. The the first notes of Qui-Gon's Noble Inn hit. The the door opens, oh, yeah. Darth Maul pops dun, out the dun, lightsaber, dun. pops out the other side of the lightsaber, and you're just like, dun, dun, dun. holy fucking shit. Um, yep. That took you to a whole nother level. You know, that's individual moment. Every one of us knows that moment, and it still works on all of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It still gave me chills when I watched it on Friday, <laughs> so. Like. I, I was planning on trying to rewatch these and I didn't get to it. I rewatched Revenge of the Sith probably three times since Disney Plus came out because it's <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. But it, it's still, th- there's that is what rings back to me from seeing it for the first time is the holy shit moments of the things we got to see happening that we didn't know we'd ever get to see happening. Yeah. I even, I remember. It was 97 when, you know, like George Lucas decided that um, computer effects were where he wanted them to be to to make more Star Wars movies. And then in 97, they did the special editions where they brought all three original movies back in theaters for like a month at a time. Yep. Yep. And that was the first time I've seen Star Wars in the theater was mm-hmm. with the special editions. And I think somewhere around that time is when news started breaking, or at least that I remember hearing about the news as a kid that they were making more Star Wars movies, that 1999, you were going to get episode one. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I remember (laughs) when that trailer dropped, it was early days of the internet, dial-up internet, and having to download that trailer. And I watched it repeatedly, (laughs) just over and over and over again. So the the moment Mike's talking about, the double-bladed lightsaber reveal, was in the trailer, and it blew my fucking mind 
when you saw that for the first time. Mm-hmm. And even the speed at which they fight, that trailer ends with a snippet of the Obi-Wan-Darth Maul battle when they're just going at each other really fast compared to anything that we've seen in the original trilogy. That was like 10 levels above that. Oh, that yeah. blew my mind. And then I remember when the, like, sometime, I can't remember if it was opening weekend or shortly after it was released, but just coming home from school one day and my dad just saying, hey, you want to you wanna go see Star Wars? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I do. <clears throat> and that was my... That was my first time seeing it, and uh, like Andy, I think every one of the prequels I've seen numerous times, four or five times for each one. And I I remember coming out of those viewings liking it, and then the more word got around and the more it died, I digested them. I think they all started to to I don't know get a sourer taste for me just from. Uh, they didn't, maybe they didn't live up to the hype of a lot of stuff. I think Revenge of the Sith is notorious for me for not living up to the hype. Um, that was something I felt like... And that that's a movie, I think, that ruined me for uh, trying to stay away from spoilers because I was trying to read every fucking thing that I could. <laughs> and to the point where I felt like I built up a better story in my head than what the movie gave me. And that screwed up my viewing experience. The movie did not live up to the movie I made in my head. And it, just, it was like, why am I doing this to myself? I just want to see the movie that happens a lot i feel like a lot yeah. of the reaction to the sequels is because of shit like that yeah that people and wanted it to I've... be this and it wasn't and right. because it wasn't what they wanted it freaked them out and yeah that's the trap that i still fall into and that's why i've really tried to stay away from a lot of the marketing i watch a little bit just enough to give me that tease but after that i, I try to just stay away yeah um but i definitely think over the years that these these movies have come around for me, which we can, I guess, get into uh, later. Uh, I want to spin back around to Josh. Do you remember your your first thoughts after viewing the movie that long weekend? Uh, I mean, you, like specifically the prequels this time. Yeah, or, yeah. Like when I saw them in college. Yeah, the uh, yeah your first viewing in college. Uh, um. Well, I. I I don't. <laughs> That's uh, fair. Not, I mean, not, you're not as good a big of a fan. I was going to say, cue the Lisa Simpson meme. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's very apt. Um, no, it it was to the point where it, when I went to rewatch them a few weeks ago, I realized that I literally have no memory <laughs> of having seen them. I knew that I did. I I very vividly as described know when I did. I I I couldn't tell you a line of dialogue i couldn't really obviously just knowing the general high points like there was racing there was jar jar banks there was a cool lightsaber fight uh liam neeson dies <laughs> uh attack of the clones i literally could not tell you one thing i didn't remember that christopher lee was in it <laughs> which is a shame because christopher lee's a badass um he is. Like, uh, and then obviously, like by the end of Revenge of the Sith, they uh, Samuel L. Jackson gets killed, and I guess the Not quote supposedly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. There has um, been a lot of YouTube videos that I've seen popping up that I haven't watched that have him like scarred up and on the cover of the YouTube video, like talking like, "Oh, leaks," and I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here! We discussed this already." <laughs> right? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson would have been all over Twitter, bouncing and going crazy over his own shit if he was actually back as Mace Windu. He wouldn't be able to hold it in. He's been asking for it for so long. 
uh, I think, I, I mean, I guess, okay, so may, this could be something. I think in terms of, um, you know, like a big reveal that Anakin is actually Darth Vader in the end, it's not as significant, but I would say that I don't think I knew the background or really recognized the name Palpatine. Okay. So when hmm. he ends up as the Emperor that I recognized from the original trilogy um i was like oh it's that guy that makes sense you'll and that's the twist surprise. i always yeah <laughs> i still hate that name i don't know but <laughs> that was always a twist that maybe either either way it's it's canon now so that we're stuck with it yeah um that that was one of the reveals i always wondered if it would work for people like the the reveal that palpatine turns into the emperor that he was ma- manipulating from the because I feel like they're very heavy-handed with it. That I don't know if it ever really comes across as a surprise, but well, yeah, I mean, actually, that, that was. I, I I I will tell you that as part of the discussion that I had in my mind, that particular storyline is the one that I most realized that there might be like something interesting there to talk about. Okay. Um, Indeed. I don't know if you want to go through any other like preliminary questions uh before we get to that and maybe we should do that because I, I think like for me that would kind of dominate i'd be like preoccupied with that topic for a while okay all right yeah we'll we'll swing back the only other thing just to sort of spring us into our discussion is more or less going back you know i know josh watched it a few weeks ago i watched the prequels a few weeks ago andy watched did his homework and watched the prequels over the last three days uh mike when was the last time you watched the prequels well, like I said, I've watched Revenge of the Sith a couple times since Disney okay. Plus launched. I've watched Phantom Menace probably once and Attack of the Clones probably once since it launched. So over the last month or two or something? Or I guess last month? Yeah, it's, it's been a month. Came out. So, well, less than a month. Okay. Guess, but yeah, like it's to me, the, I've watched every one of the Star Wars movies on Disney Plus because okay. they put them in 4K. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to do that. So sort of where I want to spin and just to branch off into wherever we go from here is how do you, what are your view of the prequels now as compared to watching them the first time? Do you think they hold up any better, any worse? You know, what stood out to you more recently than before? Are they about the same as far as your feelings and views? I don't, I don't know. I think that's where the meat of this discussion is. I mean, I can come back like the, the storyline is the storyline like it, it to me it's it does what it we knew it was gonna do um as a star wars fan it never my opinion on it never really changed because it was never really something that i thought was you know anything other than what was expected to me even looking back at it now i see the threads and everything and how it worked but things that do hold up really well versus don't hold up really well compared to like what i remember um, I can remember initially coming out of Attack of the Clones and saying, holy shit, that was the greatest lightsaber battle ever at the end of that with Yoda because it was Yoda. It was cool at the time. The first time you see it, it's amazing. I go back, I watch it now, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> um, and and, and I, f- I find that interesting because it was cool to see Yoda wield a lightsaber, but when you rewatch it, it's very short. It's very hard to follow. The yeah. lightsabers moving yeah. less than Yoda is. Um, I don't know. It 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 doesn't hold up as well to me in rewatching. 
Um, yeah, that's fair. At least not one the way I remember it. Like I remember that being this crazy epic scene, and then every time I get to it, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, um, I remember repeat viewings in the theater. Like when I've gone back, like that was like, okay, here we go, here we go. Yeah, let's get it. Like every time, like <laughs> it was such a hype moment. Yeah, and then you get, you know, Revenge of the Sith, and you get Obi Wan and Anakin, and so you have these lightsaber battles that, you know, in in Phantom Menace and in Revenge of the Sith, that are the two best still, in my opinion. Yeah, and then you have that Yoda and Anakin with dual wielding lightsabers and Yoda in that one battle, and it's like it really gets overshadowed. Um, but something for me that I think changing topic off that completely, the something I wanted to mention that today I appreciate much more than I did when I was younger is that I still think some of the absolute best star Wars music has come from those prequels. Maybe not the best movies, oh. but the music, John Williams, what he did for them. Holy shit. Oh yeah. Duel of the fates. And then the, for the first one, the the love theme from the second one, and uh, Battle of the Heroes from and the third one. Anakin like, versus Obi Wan, you know, as well. Like that, you get two yeah. there, and let's not forget the like the droid song. I I, I think it's called Droid Invasion. Um, yeah, it, and it has like that whole like non Sith but evil tone to it. Like it's there's so much of it that's so fucking good when you go back and listen to it and then you compare it like i feel like the the top end of that sound the soundtracks are are better than the top end of any of the like the prequels or the or the sequels or the originals i feel like the prequels have the top end the originals top to bottom every track's pretty damn good whereas i don't necessarily think the same about the sequels or the prequels rather yeah but it's just something I think gets overlooked a little bit by your average fan. Not by your not by us. Yeah. But yeah. by some other people. Well, if 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 this matters at all, uh, I have every single one of the prequel soundtracks and I have yet to own any of the original soundtracks. Oh, okay. Fair Do enough. Do you have any of the sequel soundtracks or no? Oh, you mean like Force yeah, Awakens yeah. or no no, nope. So just the only three Star Wars soundtracks you own are the prequels. Yep. Okay. I I mean you can't go wrong with those I I oh they're fucking awesome my yeah. is like every movie that came out one of the prequels I like Duel of the Fates after Episode One was the one I listened to all the time Across the Stars from Episode Two was the one I listened to all the time um and then for Revenge of the Sith uh Battle of the Heroes was the big one and I always listened to the like the end credit medley one yeah because John Williams has always does a really good job of like. Uh, weaving in other themes into just one long track, yeah. And Revenge of the Sith, yeah. The when the credits play, they go into like Leia's theme and the Force theme and all these other classic original trilogy Star Wars themes with Duel of the Fates and Battle of the Heroes and Across the Start. All the themes are in that track. So that was the one I would just like put on, and it's like fifteen minutes long. You just let it go. It's so good. That, that's one of the reasons, like from Solo, that reminiscence therapy. Is just yeah, such a good yeah. fucking track. I personally, I don't own any of them anymore because I just listen on Spotify and they're all there. But Andy, you're missing out some of those songs from the sequels, man. There's a couple of them that are fantastic. Ray's theme still might be, as of right now, my my favorite Star Wars track. 
from from the sequels i'm a i'm a march of the resistance fan oh yeah that's a good one too what's the other one there's another one from the well i guess that's not sequels the the, the imperial suite from rogue one is incredible yeah um that's a michael giacchino though that's that we're getting away from john williams that's there. true that's true but it doesn't matter it's still music from star wars oh, yeah. i mean but i i don't know like for me looking back at them now i still like i still hold them in the same esteem you know what i mean it's like I, there was a time where i looked down on them a little bit and then i got over that i was like you know what? no these are fun they're still fun yeah. to watch and yeah. I, like it, so they haven't gotten better or worse for you at all recently I mean, I'd say it still, still about the same. Like originally, they were way, way up here, and then they kind of took a yeah. dive, and then they went right back up. You know, right? Fair, okay. There are uh, two things that that stand out to me uh, as far as um, things that I think are sort of detrimental to the prequels, and one of which, and I've said this before, is I don't think I think George Lucas is a very creative guy, but I don't think he's the best judge of an actor doing a good job <laughs> yeah well because i mean natalie portman doesn't exactly uh light any fires in these prequel movies you know what i mean like i feel like she has done a lot of really good roles and she's a great actress but she just yeah eh, eh. see i think <laughs> you know she's eye candy and and that's about I'd it. I'd say part of it is George Lucas direction. I think more of the blame falls on George Lucas the writer. Yeah. Cuz that those scripts are fucking terrible. The dialogue is so <laughs> horrid. I, I I always like bringing up <laughs> people bring up the acting and the things like that in that yeah, Hayden Christensen the dialogue that he had to say was not the best. But I still always remember the rumors originally about Leo DiCaprio being like tossed around at the time to take that role and how I, I thought he different... was in for the was he up for the smaller like episode 1 Anakin was it J- was it was he in, instead of Jake Lloyd or I can't remember No no he's much much older than Jake Lloyd I couldn't remember I, I he he, he was up was to be like Hayden Christensen's Okay 2 and 3 Yeah Okay. Just how much different those movies get if you put somebody like him in there who would have looked at the dialogue and said, "No." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's what you need. That's what you need to George yeah, Lucas yeah. instead of somebody that just was like, "I'm getting to be Darth Vader," and you know, just did what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, like I feel like Hayden Christensen sort of took some of the spotlight. Him and Ewan McGregor, I thought, were a really good dynamic between the last two movies yes. and the prequels. And I think, you know, like, that might actually be a difference from when I saw it in the theaters. Like, I didn't really care for Hayden Christensen too much when I saw him originally. Yeah. You know, I was like, ah, it's just not my vision of Vader, I guess. And now that I've, like, rewatched him, like, a whole fucking shitload of times, um, I have a better appreciation for what he sort of did in those prequels. And I think that he wasn't as terrible as I originally thought. Yeah, I agree. Especially in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, the other the other detriment I, I mentioned too was that w- one was the acting. The other one was I really wish the prequels had more practical effects in them. 
Yeah. That's something now that we now that we can see what the practical effects do with like a Force Awakens yeah. and the, the Last Jedi and stuff. I and I and I love the technology based part of it, you know, like the starships and you know all that stuff. But I, I really wish you know there was less cheesy. I can tell that's fake. Less stuff. computers, more ILM. <laughs> right, right. And I I agree. Like seeing that was one of the big things that got me so excited with the Force Awakens is hearing like we're gonna do practical effects. We're going back to practical effects. We're gonna do it right. I I loved hearing that because that 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 was some of the best stuff they did in the original trilogy. And then they just kind of kicked that to the side for technology. Not just in the trilogy, remember. Not just in like the prequel trilogy, but he kicked a lot of the stuff that he had done to the side when he started like remastering the films. Oh, and, yep, yep. Like, let's see what the computer can make out of a do-back. And yeah. Then it like it, and it looks just so awful in the film because nothing else in the film has like that level of polish to it. Well, that's a lot of it too. Is the the CG effects that were done in like 1998 immediately date your film, and they don't hold up to CG standards of today. And when you're you know 90 percent of your film has those kind of effects in there, they may look good, but it immediately stands out as just f- fake, downright fake. Yeah. Like it, it, in, f- to be able to like be immersed in this world, you don't want to be looking at stuff and being like, "That's fake. That's fake. That's fake." <laughs> I mean, go back I will and say watch though, New Hope though, like you go back yeah. and watch New Hope, and the Banthas look awesome. Yeah, and the Dubak looks like shit because yeah. they had to go that route. If they just left it, like the one thing I'm glad they fixed was the way Palpatine originally looked in Empire. That wasn't good. Uh, just the hologram that they showed. Yeah, that that hologram had like the original look on the hologram of Palpatine. That's probably before they had a design choice for what he was going to look like in Return of the Jedi, so they just put him in there, some guy in a hood. Uh, do you not know what I? Have you not seen that recently? Do you not remember it? It's not just a guy in a talks- hood. He's like deformed and disgusting, and he's got growths coming off of his face. It's- okay, no, then I don't remember that much detail. Oh god, it's awful. It is so bad. And that's one where I'm like, that's good that they changed that, but they should have just used like some other way. But it's okay. It's good that they did it. Yeah. Well, I will say some of the effects that I thought do hold up, all things considered, is Jar Jar. Jar Jar, I think, holds up. Oh, absolutely. He considering, looks better than I remember it. Yes. Yeah, I thought he was really going to start standing out as being, you know, the full CG character from back then. That it would just really come across as he's not there. But I thought he fit in pretty well with everybody. Yeah, you know what? You are. Yeah, you're right. I still credit Jar Jar with starting the Clone Wars, <laughs> which is fair. That's you. You know, Clone Wars need a scapegoat. He can be it. I mean, he was sort of you know scammed into yeah, it. But... Also true. Uh, scammed, or as far as I can tell from this rewatch, uh, manipulated. Yeah, that's because the he's that gullible. <laughs> should we we don't need to go down uh, the darth jar jar I mean, hole for josh but i've heard it <laughs> yeah I, they, they dive into that on binge mode i mean you guys i don't i don't know i, yeah, I don't know that he's that gullible though because i mean look at all the other people that palpatine manipulated pretty much every other fucking jar jar just sounds movie. stupid that's all like, jar jar has a stupid <laughs> voice that sounds like he's dumb 
Yeah, yeah. Jar 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 comes off immediately. Like a lot of his character as a whole just screams like, "Take advantage of me! Please send me emails <laughs> from the Nigerian prince." Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's 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 what he is. So yeah, it, it, and that actually skims the surface of what I actually came away with a, a very positive view of the prequels in that uh the manipulation that was laid out over the course of three movies i actually thought that was pretty well crafted most of the as you said most of the dialogue between a lot of the characters namely anakin and, and padme was freaking horrendous <laughs> and, and, and terrible but and there was a lot of contradictions in there to be fair um like to, number one i this isn't really a story aspect. I just I just happened to learn this that the first Star Wars movie in terms of release dates to be rated PG thirteen was Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Now I will give a little bit of forgiveness to the original trilogy because the rating system changed over time and was in its infancy at the time, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But with the first three, like in Attack of the Clones, Anakin walks out of a desert hut and not even in an, in an insinuated manner, but straight out right in front of your eyes on camera, just starts slicing people away with a lightsaber. He just starts committing mass murder right on screen. How did that still get PG? There was no, no blood. blood. I still, but that that's, but that can be the difference between PG 13 and R. Correct. Yeah. The, but I the, think he's, I, I don't think you really see and what is portrayed. Like you see him but even angry the, the, and swinging the lightsaber and being very but brooding. Pe people are that, going but down. Yeah, like, but it's very obvious. I, I don't like, know I that am you, killing you're seeing these him mofos. like actually like because let's face it, lightsabers swung that way, it's going to be bifurcation. You're talking about cutting people right. in half, and you're not seeing what it's really doing or anything. You're hearing the contact, you're seeing them fall down, but you're not really seeing. Sure, I. I uh, you could. You can tell they're separated. I, I think the difference in my mind uh, I'd have is watch the scene exactly. <laughs> if if he walked out of the hut and you get the sense of you have the music and the tone and the lighting and the look on his face, and you see him walking toward a group of people, and you understand what he's about to do, and maybe you hear things off camera, and maybe the 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 camera is is more pointed like from the ground perspective so you're seeing him walk along and you see people dropping as you're hearing noises maybe sort of along those lines i could i could kind of see how that that would work but he just like i said 100 straight out is just full-bodied in view mowing people down the the in the idea of what is being presented to you is undeniably homicide yeah and i i'm just really shocked that it took like, I don't see much of a difference between what happens there and what happens in and, – and some other aspects of Attack of the Clones and then what happens in Revenge of the Sith as being all that different. I mean, Revenge of the Sith, you get Anakin being burned alive that you actually watch happen. Sure. You get Anakin killing – that's the deciding factor. Yeah. Well, and you get him killing children. Burning – as well burning alive let's not well to josh's credit he doesn't you don't see him kill children on screen he ignites he ignites the lightsaber and it cuts away he does but don't but, we see it well, happen oh that's true and, the, and in attack the, of the clones the troopers he, killing them though don't we see the kid on the 
hologram trying to like hold up to them and then the, they mow them down. And uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the troopers might kill some kids. Yeah, right, well, uh, yeah. The troopers kill like a maybe like a really like 10 or 11 year old on when Bale um, shows up. Senator, yes, yeah, Senator Organa goes to check out see why the Jedi Academy is burning and the troopers sort of mow down like a, a pretty young Padawan. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not forget Padme's bondage gear in Attack of the Clones, too. Because <laughs> that definitely happens. That scene. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that I don't want to interrupt Josh's thought, so I'll have to come That's back right. to my thought. But jo- Josh, go ahead. Finish finish where you're going. Uh, I mean, on, that, just pre- on the rating thing in particular, that was probably just the extent of, of what I... Went well, you were, you were satisfied strange. with the uh, the subtlety of the the plans Sidious's plan uh yeah so i guess if, if i had to pick like one one thing that kind of became the through line of like my thought process leading to like my suggestion like hey we should talk about the prequels again i i think it is this i think i think it is this the 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 particular subplot that is sidious's rise from where you start in Phantom and where you end up at the end of Revenge. Because I think all the other stuff you take away, um, I I actually thought that they did a, a good job at... See, I think pacing to create a villain is difficult for people to do. I think subtlety is difficult for them to do over time. Everybody wants to get where they're going to end up and they don't know how to lay the breadcrumbs and make it feel effective they just want to go from here's where we start and very quickly look here's our monster yeah um i i i had a similar reaction this time around to uh actually why i think i enjoy how voldemort is handled in the harry potter novels um and i think this comes through in the books a bit better than it does the movies that what you have is not just you know evil person wants to take over the world and here's his lair and here's his big robots and and he's just larger than life yeah it's it's a corruption of the existing system it's breaking down what their barriers would be before replacing them instead of just going headlong into battle against them and there are i will say towards the like the middle and the end of revenge of the sith uh i don't know if if like lucas realized like okay i have a little bit more of a gap to finish than than i i realized i gave myself so like it just seems like at some point like all pretenses dropped and and especially as uh you know palpatine is is trying to uh woo anakin really all the subtlety just gets lost and he might as well just say look i'll teach you the dark side i'm a dark bad guy too yeah why don't you be my guy ex- i think that's exactly what happened actually i mean it basically hits he that was point pretty much but like, up, it, up until yeah. then i think his i think the way they crafted that long-term plan over the course of about 20 years close to 20 years at least at least 15 um you know in the timeline of the, the story uh 
like I said, I think that takes, I think that takes creative control. I think that takes writer control to know that I have a long way to get and the steps have to feel organic and the, the, the obstacles I'm removing along the way, it has to make sense as to how I'm getting from A to B to C to D to E and as the road goes down. So I would actually kind of applaud them for pulling that off. I, I would say maybe again, not maybe the Palpatine Anakin relationship just there at the end. It just sort of hits full throttle and goes, but up to that point, I, I actually thought that was done rather well. Well, they, they hit the pedal to the metal on it. Um, because that was the breaking point, you know, the clone war was coming to an end. General Grievous was down. The, the, the droids were without leadership. Dooku and Grievous were gone. And now the war was over. What was the emperor going to do? So, like, they had to have that end point where something was going to happen. But, Josh, I'll give you something that is, without having been overtly stated, stated widely accepted as true okay. in Star Wars canon, that may give you some insight um, into the whole scenario. So, Anakin is born without a father. Okay? Right. There was no father. Not even just born as, you know, a bastard. There wasn't a father. Yeah, I remember honing in. So I, I started listening to these uh, binge mode episodes uh, before we watched the prequels. And so they really called that point of it out. And it really stood out much more this time to me than the first watch. Right. So what's widely accepted is that Palpatine created Anakin from the Force. When he gives his whole okay, tragedy of that. Darth Plagueis the Wise... He's telling yep. him about how he's going to save Padme, but he's also telling him that he even learned the ability to create life. He says that in there. Mm -hmm. And what that's saying is, hey, you who were born from the Force, I created you because I needed somebody like you. Because Palpatine, while very powerful, was powerful in ways that Anakin wasn't and, and vice versa. Anakin was kind of a blunt object for Palpatine. Um, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would also then reinforce the idea that uh, patricide really and incesticide really runs strongly in this family. Because that would mean that Anakin kills his father. No, no, no. Palpatine's not his father. Palpatine okay. influences the midichlorians in the Force to create a being that otherwise would not have existed. He is his creator, not his father. Uh, okay, true, true. Okay, okay. There's no DNA shared there. There's no... Right, 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 you know. right, right. I, well, I think, it's, I think it's close enough to at least make some connection. Okay. And enough enough to try to make a point that because then ultimately, you know, Ben kills his father Han Solo, who being I guess Ben would be in that lineage of thinking, would he be He's what, Pal Palpatine's great grandson? If you wanna call by, Palpatine once removed Anakin's by the daddy. force, if you wanna yeah. think of it that way. Would be a great grandson, okay. Um, yeah, I guess I, I 
I could buy that. Is that one of those? I want to be fair. This is still a theory. That's not confirmed Star Wars canon, right? But it's. I mean, it's it's a fairly well accepted theory. Yeah. Does it seem like? Oh, that is just reading between the lines. Like, there's no way that's not what he was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you could take it two ways. Either either Palpatine created Anakin or Plagueis created Anakin. That's the route that I generally think. I think that it was Plagueis. Because I feel like Plagueis might have been more powerful than Palpatine, just based on the lore. So, so then, um, well, there, in the, the novel's who... not technically canon anymore. Like the Darth Yeah, because you read Darth Plagueis, right, Mike? Right. In that novel, it is Palpatine that does it. But that's not canon anymore. That used to be canon. It's not canon. So Plagueis is still canon, but not that book. So it's confusing, of course. But in that novel, he learns from Plagueis how to do it. Okay. But I don't think he does do it in that book, though, right? From what I remember. I'd have to look back. But as far as I remember, it's it, it made, even if it's not directly said, it's like highly implied. Because I remember, yeah, I remember, now I'm trying to think back when I read it too, but uh, I remember him learning skills like that from from Plagueis, and what surprised me about the novel was that Plagueis is alive through half of uh, the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. That, that whenever, mm. si- whenever Palpatine gets the position of Chancellor, he celebrates with Plagueis that night, and that's when he kills him. Yes. And that and that, oh, that follows that. the Sith you... line. You wouldn't you wouldn't know of that but without having yeah, that's read nothing the book. in the movie. This oh, is okay. this is from an offshot. Okay. Yeah, this is from quote unquote Legends Canon. It's a gotcha. it's a book about Darth Plagueis that happened in the old canon, which, you know, it's hit or miss whether or not that actually still counts. Yeah. But, but what, what it I always to... thought the Legend of Plagueis was like years ago. I didn't realize it ran into the prequel trilogy. Right. Um, so, so what I always want to like make sure to point out with that is that that's just the Sith way. So right. Palpatine is recruiting Maul and has Maul as an, an apprentice because he's ready to overthrow, you know, pa- uh, Plagueis. Maul dies. Palpatine picks up uh, Dooku. Dooku is, you know, uh, grooming Ventress at that time who Josh has no idea who Asajj Ventress is, but he, he has his own apprentice. He's grooming to try and overthrow the emperor and mm-hmm. it, it just plays that way. That's the Sith. There must be two. There is two Sith. Vader was, Vader was trying to recruit Luke to help well, him in, overthrow the emperor yeah. as well. And so this was a question yeah. I had recently cause I played it again. Is Force Unleashed still canon? No, no. Okay. I was going to say, cause that's another whole storyline they go down is Vader recruiting Starkiller to help him overthrow yeah. Palpatine, but it it works in a lot of different ways. Um, I feel like more or less, Mike, the Inquisitors have replaced what Starkiller sort of did. Yeah, that's true. Which is good. Starkiller, I, I don't know how I would feel about it actually being canon. I don't know how I ever felt about it really being canon. Yeah, I remember really liking that story the first time I played it, but considering the canon they are making now, I don't know how that's going to fit in certain areas, so I think it's better just to wipe it. Yeah. Nonetheless, you always have this rule of two, Josh, with the Sith, where there must be two, and it's always been said one to have power and one to desire it. And the 
fate of any Sith Lord is to be murdered by their apprentice. That so that I've, is I've like heard this for a while. So tell me, like, from your guys' insight on this, um, like, which of you would then say, "Oh yeah, I should probably become a Sith apprentice." Ever, knowing that <laughs> my destiny is to not only well, it, not only murder, but at that point you probably don't give a shit about murdering, but to be murdered specifically by the person meant to replace you. Well, you're assuming we would be dark side type thinkers, um, <laughs> where they're going to desire that power. So, for instance, it is not necessarily the destiny of your apprentice to kill you, but it is your destiny as master to be killed by an apprentice. Your apprentice right. may, your current apprentice may challenge you, and you just kill them. I always feel like the the Sith are so full of themselves and have such an ego that, that I feel like everyone is probably thinking, "I don't, I, I could be the one to best this rule." Yeah, I'm immune to this. I'm not going to be killed. I'm going to be the one that's going to outlast everybody. Right. I mean, for as far as like a recruiting tool, it just seems like a little bit of a. Flawed. I don't think they go in on the job resume and say, well, you know, eventually you're going to kill me. No, it, it's just part of Sith legend. But it's also not on the recruiting thing. You see what they do to recruit apprentices. Look what he did. Look what Palpatine does to Vader to pull him in. It's not the best thing. They, 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 like, they, they, there's arguments that now, especially since we've seen that they can, like, with Snoke giving visions to Kylo and Rey, that Palpatine was producing the visions that anakin saw of padme's death wasn't just anakin having a premonition it was you know it was him telling him like she's gonna die is, is that your conjecture or is that is that official no 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 i'm saying that's it's it's conjecture that has come about because of the sequels does that make okay. sense like because now we see that yes they do have mind powers that are that strong as well that are canon could we then say Palpatine was making him see that and even further manipulating things. Yeah, you could maybe argue that. But, like, premonitions in the Force are not... That's fine, too. Right. But in this case, it's kind of circumstantial, I think, is why that well, comes down to people assuming that Palpatine would be the one to be like, put that in there, lay that seed, yeah. you know, let him come to me and need that help that I can give because I know how to make people not die, even though I know Anakin's going to kill her himself. So on and so forth. Like it's. Yeah. <laughs> it's convoluted, but it's there. I was trying to, I was just thinking like I should steer us back on track and I don't remember where we even started to even try to steer us back on track. <laughs> uh, well, let me, I guess maybe ask, this um given my takeaways on how palpatine's plan plays out on screen over that time um is that the do do either of you share that feeling about it that it, it seemed like it worked or is the general consensus that it seems like it's obviously way too heavy-handed um does that change how you think about it at all it's. It, I feel like it's difficult for me to come into it thinking how well it worked. Like I liked, I liked seeing the puppet master. Yes. You know, control his puppets. But again, the the reveal that Palpatine is Sidious was not a surprise for me, knowing the original trilogy and his name. So as soon as you hear Palpatine, you're like, oh, that's the guy that's going to be the emperor. Yeah. Right. 
Not to mention so it's the same that, actor. Yeah. And that, that takes some weight away from the reveal for me. Sure. Um, and how all that plan came together. But still knowing who that is and you see him try to plant the seeds, it feels heavy-handed to me because I know who he is and who he's going to become. Okay. I mean, I, I but, like the seeds they drop in where his voice changes when he gets angry. You know, you get it. Or even just Palpatine himself has a much lighter tone. And then when, as soon as he puts the hood up, he's somebody else. Well, I was referring like to the do it kind of like the, like, yeah, right. It, yeah. Like, there's those kind of moments where you could kind of, you know, you see like just the little facial tick or like the something like that. I guess Revenge of the Sith is the first time you outright get him giving you the same voice that he used for the Emperor. And he's very calculated and all that. That moment in Revenge of the Sith. Is you can see it on Christopher Lee's face. That's when Dooku knows I've been a pawn this entire time, and I am nobody to him. Yeah, I, I think like that's yeah the, the fear and the the realization that like oh shit, my master isn't going to save me from certain death. He's ordering this person to kill me. That's when you enter that meme or right over Dooku's face. That's just like that's when you knew <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm gonna let Josh go ahead with what he was saying because I don't want to. Oh no, I, I think go I off down really sort another of, track. Yeah, I, I think Brian really started to address the question that I brought up. Um, I mean, like you know, Andy, Mike, how does that strike you guys? Do, do you see it any different way, or I, 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 again, is it is it like was it hard to be too? I'm biased is not right in this case, but uninformed. Sort of like take the blur goggles off and just sort of see it for what it was. I I mean I think it was a very masterfully weaved plan, if that's what you mean. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, like him planting these small little seeds kind of everywhere that all sort of ended up growing together into this. Empire, I don't know. Yeah, an empire. <laughs> and the 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 particular plan that he hatched out over all these years did it seem really silly and convoluted, or did it seem like it at least kind of made sense? And it was like you could you could buy it. Like the steps that you know they chose and that he that they put in place was it believable? To me, there's one part that still strikes me as like. I need more context. And that okay. is, we have all these, God knows how many planets and systems represented in the Senate. You know, they have that mm-hmm. big, gigantic Senate room. I don't know how many's in there, but it's a lot. And they go directly to like, hey, Palpatine, that guy, let's, let's, let's him. Like, there's not, like, the, the process is so quick and simple to make him Chancellor. I think that maybe because there were seeds that he planted that we that were like pre movie. Okay, that, that's you know I think maybe he had been planting these seeds for quite a while, and then when he started seeing that these seeds were actually starting to grow, is when he was like, "Now I can start making some moves." That's just a personal opinion. I can but... see that. I feel like that's what I remember from the Plagueis book, also. Mike, I don't know if you remember that too. Like the the political yeah. uh movings that Palpatine made 
prior to all that stuff. Yeah, and, and I mean... And was all in there. That That's where, again, it's hard to, like... Separate canon from non-canon and all that. But it's still, like, for the movie without that book. Right. It still seemed like you have to make that jump that Andy's making there and saying that he was doing stuff ahead of time, which I think is implied anyways. I think that's a good way of putting it now that I think of it in those terms is like, it's, it's a fairly good assumption. It it just could have served maybe five minutes longer on the movie. Give us a little more background on what he did, you know? Yeah. Cause it seems like I remember the scene like real clearly where like, there's several like systems they show like vehemently shaking their fists no 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 to the vote and then there's several that are cheering it and that's when they're trying to overthrow Valorum right and Mm -hmm. it it seems to me like there had to be some failings of his along the way and some people that didn't trust him yeah and I mean I don't know I, I think he's such a master manipulator that he probably just played everybody up like I think he's he comes across as just that likable guy that everybody turns to to get shit done. So, I, I you're saying, like, he's that master at what he does and everything? And that brings yes. me to say, like, I have a theory about his one biggest mistake. And he, like, and this plays off of my theory, which is, again, very common, but that he created Anakin. He just chose the vessel very poorly. The Skywalker that is in him is the good that is in him. Shmi is too big a part of Anakin for Anakin to be completely bad. Palpatine chose the wrong vessel. He chose the wrong woman to be his mother. She was too good of a mother. She was too good to him. And it, while that may have led to a bit of him turning, it also kept him from being as evil as he otherwise could have been. All right, so this is me spitballing off of your theory, but because this is me making it up on the fly. But uh, you're assuming that he chose Shmi as like, yep, I'm gonna impregnate this woman with some Medichlorian. I don't, I, I don't see it happening that way. If Palpatine is the one that creates life from the Force, I feel like he just did it, and it's up to the Force to plant where Anakin goes. Fair. So if you're looking at balance, it chose an evil the person, balance. right? An evil person makes a being. The Force chooses balance and gives it to a good person. And I think Jin George Lucas originally intended for that to be the wills. The wills willed it that yeah, Shmi that would be for, his The Force mother. is kind of conscious. Yeah. Like, it, he, he had that idea for a while and it got thrown away. But they, they willed it that Shmi would be the mother and that, you know, she would raise him to be better than he otherwise would have been. I, I feel like there's something there to that. But I, I think your idea is... You know, like, the the flaw that Palpatine never sees, that overconfidence you were talking about with the Sith. They don't see that one fatal flaw in their plan. That's, yeah, that's most villains. Everybody thinks that, you know, they'll, they'll be the exception to the rule. Um, I don't know, anything else? I got one thing I want to bring up, too, and maybe just to get your opinion. So, something that stood up to me, rewatching them again... And it's something I feel like over the years has not sat well for me. And that's like the the way that George Lucas writes romance and love in in episode two. 
is really bad. And it's not good. Watching it again, I was like, "Holy shit!" Does Anakin come across very aggressive and f- pun in- pun intended forcefully? Yep. Towards He's Padme, rapey. and I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's it, it's not. I, it, it's fair to use that. How is that working? Like that that I don't know why that seemed like it was good at the time, if at all. That, but now it seems like it's really terrible. I can honestly say that never felt right to me. No, like it, like I've seen that movie. I don't know how many times throughout my life. A lot, and that whole thing is just cringe, just the whole way through, and it always yeah. has been. And maybe I didn't get it until more of an adult as why it was cringe worthy, but it it hit hard in a, such wrong ways. <laughs> And I, I think what you just said is important because to me, it's not a product of when it was made, but who's watching it. Yeah. Because you can easily point to movies from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and to some degree, large, and, you know, the 90s even, and say, like, oh, well, just that's how they talked back then, or that <laughs> wasn't viewed in the same way. But this was released in 2002. Well, yeah. let, let's. And go ahead. I was going to say, it, he's. When I say rapey, he is fucking rapey in those scenes. Like, he's not... Yes. Th- th- this is, like what Brian said, like the overly aggressive nature that he takes with it is off-putting. Um, and well, some of those is. looks, I think, are supposed to be, like, sexy and romantic, but he looks like he's going to kill her. Yeah! And, and then when he's assigned to her protection and makes the offhand remark, like, she didn't like me watching her. Yeah, it's Like, it's I, had, real sur- I had surveillance set up in her apartment to keep an eye on her, and... I guess she didn't care for that. Like I, I think the I think the reason it feels so bad and uncomfortable is that to me there's not a correlating personality trait to Natalie Portman's character that seems to explain her acceptance of him. Yeah, because you're going back to like Anakin turning on a dime when he becomes Darth Vader. The same could be said for Attack of the Clones when Padme quote unquote falls in love with Anakin. Right, and there's, there's nothing. There's no lead her. up to that. It just happens. Yeah, she, it happens, and there's nothing you can point to to say like, "Oh, she's not broken, but she's um, insecure." She, no, she, there, there, she's portrayed no, as a very strong, like, independent woman yeah. senator who's like, "I'm gonna exactly. kick ass myself." That's how she's portrayed in the Phantom Menace. She she leads so all, the troops. Yeah, like, so all it, all of the weird stuff about how his behavior toward her comes off. They said there's not like a complementary aspect to her personality that makes you feel like, okay, even though this is strange, her character lines up with the type of person who would be okay with a person like this. Right. That's the part that doesn't equal out. And that's why I think it's so off-putting. I feel like a fun game to play, like if we, if we want to rewatch Attack of the Clones again, is to everyone watch on our own. But take a note every time a red flag comes up with why Anakin should not be right for Padme. Because I feel like him straight up confessing that he's murdered a village of people. Yeah, should be like, that was a why, big one. Why? And I remember really liking that scene. Like, that's well acted. His confession, the music, it works for me. But when you think about what he's telling her and that she's going to eventually go, you know what? This turns me on. Let's get married. N- no. Or that I can look past <laughs> it for reasons X, Y. That's it. Right. Like, that there's nothing there that gives me that and and then in it stood out to me very glaringly then in uh revenge of the sith when obi-wan comes to her and is like yeah he just straight up murdered like 
three classrooms of kids. <laughs> and she's like, no, I could never believe it. He would never. Uh-uh, there's nothing. There's no way. Like, he literally told you three yeah, years f- earlier that he did <laughs> that exact thing to an entire <laughs> culture. Like, he he, he did. He, he Yeah, he was like... <laughs> I murdered the women. I murdered the children. Yeah. <laughs> there is, and you're like, there is what? so many memes out there for like just not just the men, but the women and children too. And they they've turned it into so many different things, but not just the whatever and whatever too. But it, he comes to her, and it, this is the other part with Padme that makes no sense to me. Obi Wan comes to her and says, "I saw him myself." Obi Wan. This is somebody she trusts. This is a man that has been there longer than Anakin as a part of her whole deal and she trusts him to not be making shit up. And he comes and says like, yes, I've seen Anakin killing younglings among other things. But you know, that was Anakin at the Jedi temple. You see that smoke that, that was, that was Anakin. That's your boy. Like, Oh, it's his baby. Huh? Like, like Obi-Wan didn't know that for like fucking years, but like, (laughs) so, and then what does she do? She goes to the lava planet to be like, tell me it's not true. What? <laughs> I, f- I feel like from a writing standpoint, it's just like George Lucas knew he needed to get to point B. <laughs> so how yes. do I how do I connect the dots? And like Josh said earlier, I think he just ran out of room. It was like, what well, what's the straightest line I can take to get to where I need to go? And there, there's a oh, lot yeah. of that in everyone there. has a spaceship. They can actually just take that straight yeah. line. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think like Andy touched on it earlier, saying like Natalie Portman's acting and all this and the writing from Lucas was bad on it and everything. And Padme, I see often talked about as like this great Star Wars character. And now that you look back on it, it's like not really. I, she goes because she's she here, starts she's there, way. she's here, she's there, she's all over the fucking place, yeah. and. Oh, she's pretty strong in the Clone Wars cartoon. Well, and most people haven't watched that. Yeah, like like if you're going true. general general movie going audience, they watch the movies and that's it. You can't assume everybody's seen the cartoons. Let let me make one thing very clear: Dave Filoni is a better writer than anybody else that has written mainstream Star Wars. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, George Lucas, Irvin Kershner, like Pittsburgh's own Dave Filoni. Yeah, he's he's better than all of them. So when we say that Padme, which is funny that George Lucas Wars. like taught him a lot of the Star Wars lore and and crafting story and stuff, and he just does it ten times better than what George Lucas. I did. feel like George Lucas taught him about that universe and like the general themes, and that George Lucas is very good at getting his themes through in movies. He's just like you said, not good at writing the dialogue for it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and Dave Filoni can do both. So, it, it all comes back around to, I you know, looking back on it now, I would say that's the most glaring thing, is having a better ability to assess a character in a film, Padme really falls apart. Yeah. For me. Like, if I was looking back and said, like, the one fault, that would be the big fault that I never really paid much attention to. Yeah, she gets she gets short like shafted a lot. I feel like as far as just screen time and and character development, she I don't even know like because she's not really the focus. Well, she's a little bit of the focus of episode one, 
Anakin, I feel like, still gets the majority of it. Um, two, she you'd think she'd go hand-in-hand hand with Anakin, but I still feel like it's more Anakin's story than hers. Three is all about Anakin. Yeah, she's a prop in three. Like it, so, yeah, she gets she gets shortchanged, like, definitely. I'm pretty sure, like, 90% of the time that he runs into her, it's at their, like, apartment thing in Coruscant. Yeah. Uh, all right, is there... I don't know if I have anything specific in mind that I want to touch on. Oh, well, maybe I'll just bring this up just to see if it kicks off the conversation at all. But when I was talking about how I had watched, like, was trying to read a bunch of spoilery stuff for episode three, and I thought I had a better story in my mind. And the way I saw it playing out, which is the way it didn't happen, but what I pictured was that Palpatine was going to manipulate Anakin to think that Obi-Wan killed Padme. I always thought that made a lot of sense. It drives the wedge between them. Padme dies, which has to happen. And that's why you would get Anakin so hateful of Obi-Wan instead of just like, well, you, you're on the wrong side now. I feel like it had to be more personal than that. Yeah, I thought it was a strange tactic for Palpatine to take the path of convincing Anakin that it was actually himself that did it as a result of his actions. Yeah. because I mean, I, on the surface, I think I bought it and then... Later, it occurred to me, well, wait, couldn't that possibly cause him to rethink the path he's taken and the decisions he's been making and so therefore start to question the arrangement and and whatnot? If, if he sees the effect of the choices he's made, then couldn't that be counterproductive to what Palpatine wants? Which could very well be why it happened in the first... That could be why the glimmer of hope and goodness is in Anakin Skywalker to begin with. Maybe that's the exact moment you're talking about, and maybe that's what happened. So, what I can say is, like, I always feel this way with Star Wars. If you really start getting down to it, you can pick a lot of things apart. And that, at what point does Anakin say, okay, I killed Mace Windu, I have accepted you as my master, we are gonna save Padme together, Together we have the power to do it. And then, like, immediately at that point, Palpatine's like, but first, I need you to go kill all these people before we save your wife. Well, I mean, I, I kind of well, would be like, you want to prove yourself to me first, maybe, and show me that you can do what you actually say you can do? It Like, at what point is Anakin just, like, a dumbass for not, like, Knowing how to He does deal. give some justification in that moment, though. He does say something along the lines of, only then will you be powerful enough in the dark side of the Force to do what I've promised you. So he's still saying, you need more right, power. But, you are not there but, yet. But even in that moment, he immediately says, like, afterwards, like, only together can we do it. And, and it's like, wait a minute. Didn't you just say, like, you had the power to save the one you love? Like, you know, he's there. He's getting hit with his own Force lightning, which is also something I've never understood. Why doesn't he just give up the Force lightning and stop burning himself? Um, but he says only I because have he's the power guilting, to save he's, the one you love. He doesn't stop because he's guilting Anakin into interfering. Fair enough. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But although I would say in that same moment, there's another immediate contradiction that is presented within like 30 seconds because in that, in that moment, and Andy, I agree with you. Anakin is watching mace go outside of what the channels of justice are supposed to be 
and Palpatine is egging that on and, and, and making sure that that keeps going. So part of Anakin's final decision turn is look at this hypocrite that, and I think he even says something like, that's not the Jedi way, something to that effect. And then like literally a minute later after Mace is dead and flown out the window and Palpatine says, all right, now we're about to just like, please let's go do a whole bunch of non Jedi way shit. (laughs) And Anakin's like, whatever you need me to do. Well, that's, I think what kind of one thing that I, I appreciate about that, the, 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 the turn of that movie. It like, I, I guess in my mind, I always thought that, Anakin you goes to the dark side so he he you know switches sides kind of he he goes to the side of the empire but watching the trilogy and that movie specifically Anakin stays grounded where he is it seems everything flips around him and his objectives stay the same i am loyal to my friend who has been with me the entire time and the the manipulation for palpatine turns all of his friends like you know the 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 republic becomes the rebels the separatists mm-hmm. become the empire right i don't think the separatists or, sorry, are the empire the separatists are sorry yes the other the the other way around the republic becomes the empire i think the rebels just the form separatists, on their own i don't think the separatists become the rebels well you're still sort of born from the, the separatists ashes. yeah the separatists were fighting you know the the government of the you know what they see as the tyrannical government type of thing which is what the rebels do against the empire yeah, but, but Anakin stays loyal to the Republic. <clears throat> Anakin stays loyal to the Republic, which turns into the Empire. So he he stays firm in his beliefs, which he thinks are right. It's just that we see them for what they are, and and the you know the wrong decisions. If not for murdering all the Jedi, I would say yes. But that that all right. To be fair, yeah. Um, had that not happened, had, had you know like. I feel like, yeah, I would 100% agree with what you're saying. But he still turns and says, like, no, I'm going to go kill the people that used to be my friends. Yeah, all right, that's fair. I guess I guess I was looking, like, in my mind, I had it built up as a more clear-cut, I'm no longer a good guy, I'm a bad guy thing. But it, it does, it's, it seems more complex than that when, when you watch it. Well, it, it is, and I think it has to be complex because he has these two old friends he has Obi-Wan and the Emperor, or Palpatine, we'll call him, since he's not the Emperor technically in that, but whatever. He, you have Palpatine and Obi-Wan vying for Vader's power. You know, Obi-Wan's just vying for a good world to live in, and Palpatine's vying to take it over. Anakin doesn't yeah. see all this. He doesn't know this. But th- these are the two things drawing at Anakin, and they're the two things weighing on him. And one of them's going to win. We know going in, the Emperor's going to win because of the other movies. Um, but they had to get to that point of what turns him against Obi-Wan, I think, more than anything. Which is where we started this here. And the moment of that actually does happen when he like thinks that, oh, you know, like, you've turned her against me. Because you brought her here and told her what I did. Um, yeah. And, you know, but you informed her of the truth. Right. And Obi-Wan <laughs> points that out. Like, no, you did that yourself, dumbass. But that whole confrontation to me plays out in highs and lows. 
where like the lightsaber action in it is fantastic and i feel like the dialogue in it at some points hayden's delivery and the dialogue itself is so fucking good and then at other times it's like what the fuck george you know like (laughs) you know like you underestimate my power like come on like that that's so ridiculous i think the worst line of the whole third act there is when they're fighting on their like lava surfboards yeah and it's a good uh, good word for it i mean i I think it's mining (laughs) (laughs) and anakin replies to obi-wan's comment but from my point of view the jedi are the ones who are bad something like that but i know it starts out like by saying but from my point of view no one says that it sounds so unnatural to me that in the heat of that moment of what is going on and someone saying to to you i think that was supposed to be more of a callback to like obi-wan used the certain point of view line on luke yeah so it's like oh let's bring it full circle and anakin uses that on obi-wan back in the day and and, and to me that's one of the lines that came off so bad well and and it's such a big line because it's like Anakin thinks the Jedi are evil, and that's why he killed them. So he's saying it, right? What did like, the Jedi uh, do that were evil? What made him believe, other than Palpatine saying they were evil, that the Jedi were evil? What what changed in him to change his opinion of the Jedi? And I, th- th- this is one of the things I think of as a flaw here. Like we're talking about flaws, and you know, I I, I struggle with that one. Because it needed to be, like... I feel like that's one of those things, like... Right now, I'm sort of comparing it to BVS. In that where you want the two characters to sit down and have a conversation and hash this out as what's wrong and where you're coming from, they just fight. And that's Anakin and Obi-Wan, is they don't get a chance to really talk out and figure out what Anakin's going through and, and why they're disagreeing. They just start fighting. Right, but I mean, I feel like he had to at least have some of that in him when he goes to the Jedi temple. Right. How do you, like, how do you just go and murder an entire, you know, hundreds of people in the Jedi temple? Yeah. Without at least. Yeah. I mean, the conversation definitely should have happened earlier than Mustafar. Yes. I'll give you that. Yes. It let it, let, let there be a confrontation and then Obi-Wan backs out and tries to warn them, fails to warn them. You know, he destroys the Jedi Temple, flees to Mustafar to kill the, you know, the Trade Federation and the all those separatists, and Obi Wan chases him. Yeah, I think there, I wanted whatever. I think I wanted more of a falling out between the two of them before they fight. Yes, and that's why in my mind I always felt like, you know, we'll say Padme manipulates or uh, Palpatine manipulates to kill Padme, somehow frames Obi Wan for that and tells Anakin like that's the story I had in my head, and that I think that's better. <laughs> Still, that's, that's what I mean. That's what I went into expecting to happen. It didn't, and I got what we have. And I was like, "Well, this does not live up to what I wanted." And it, it, to Josh's point, it just felt everything felt rushed in that sense. And I think that's that's why Revenge of the Sith doesn't. I remember Revenge of the Sith being my favorite, and I don't think it's my favorite of the prequels anymore. It's still mine. What's your What's your favorite of the prequels? I've actually come around Episode One a lot. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Episode Two is the only one I couldn't make an argument for. Yeah, but which so it kind of the 
I listened to the Empire podcast for the Empire movie reviewing magazine. Yeah. One of the guys on the pad on, that hosts the podcast, Chris Hewitt, reviews movies for Empire. One of his first reviews for the Empire magazine that they give him shit about all the time was Attack of the Clones. He gave it a five-star review, and he has never lived it down <laughs> since, which I kind of want to read it, which I haven't done, because I'm wondering why he thought this was the greatest Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> Yoda with a lightsaber. Um. It could That could be enough. Hey, you know what? Give uh, up until the point where you get to the Battle of Geon- Geonosis. It's it's kind of like a eh movie, yeah. But the Battle of Geonosis on is is actually really good. Yeah, I remember that that whole arena. Every time once they get to the arena, yeah, because I remember thinking these as, last forty five minutes are fucking amazing. Yeah, that's no, really good. Yeah, and everything Obi Wan. Yeah, I mean, does you is can fun. get like the Obi Wan and Jango yeah. Fett battle on Camino is amazing. I love that. That's actually, yeah. yeah, that's one of my favorite ones, too. The humor that they add into that fight from Obi-Wan is something much needed that he doesn't get enough to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's not understate that that was Ewan McGregor's trilogy. In my eyes, that is oh, still, yeah. that is those yeah. are his movies. He carries them, and without him, boy, I, I don't know what we would have had out of them. Yeah. Um. And, you know, for all that can be said about you know, episode three and the, the the flaws that you have there at the end, it still to me produces. It, I, well, I got to say it in a certain way here. My my favorite among my favorite lines of dialogue in Star Wars, but it also does it at the same time as producing some of the most uneven dialogue in Star Wars. At the very end uh, of their fight. Obi-Wan jumps up. It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. That whole conversation. Ewan McGregor's delivery, the the lines that were written for it, how it all happens for his end, perfect. It is incredible. The, you know, the emotion he gives, the way the music plays for it and everything, and then everything Anakin says in those moments is just pure cheese. Yeah, and so it plays out both of these ends where, you, like, you can see Ewan playing Obi Wan is like damn near crying and breaking down, like you were my brother and all that, and I hate you while he's burning, and it's like, oh god, it's like yes, but oh fuck, and I I still like that hate you line. I think that's one of the best ones Hayden does. I think he delivers it well, but I think it's I don't know, like it. <laughs> It's up and down for me, but <laughs> it, it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I just wanted to cut in with that because it, it makes me think like about these movies and the, the moments in them that make me like the happiest to watch over and over again. Yeah. And I feel like we've talked a little bit about famous favorite moments and stuff like that and I also feel like this is one of those topics we could just keep talking oh, yeah, and no, keep yeah, talking absolutely. and keep talking. Sorry. Um, I I feel like I want to wind this down, and I think the best way to sort of – well, first, Josh, I know you talked about the your Palpatine plans and how you appreciated that stuff. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on specifically before we sort of wind down here? Um, I – as I said at the beginning, like I literally could not tell you one memory that I held from – the first time of seeing attack of the clones 
Um, but seeing it this time again, I actually really enjoyed Christopher Lee a lot. And um, I, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, but the like quasi-robotic android dude, Gor- Gor- Gorvis Clave? No, that's what am I thinking? That's Avengers. <laughs> Who am I the, the, General General Grievous. Grievous. That's, that's episode it. three. That's episode Is that three? three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Grievous doesn't pop around until three. Okay. Yeah. Well, once he's there, I thought he was pretty cool. Yeah, Grievous the, is pretty the, cool. The the idea of the like four handed lightsaber fight. I mean, you yeah. at least got to give it to them that they like tried to step up the game and come up with something different. I thought that was fun. I love that they let it happen for just that moment because there's no way that like Obi Wan could just consistently deal with four lightsabers, so they have him cut off two yeah. of his hands pretty quickly. Yeah, but it was awesome to see, like in the sound. I always can remember that the sound it makes when he starts spinning and they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, sorry, Josh. Let me just ask you then. Yeah, coming at them again a couple of weeks ago for since you know as your second viewing. Did you find yourself having a better appreciation for them? I mean, overall, probably yes. Um, I mean, it's definitely different than it it was before, and yeah. there's a couple, you know, aspects of them that I'll now, you know, hang on to, and probably remember for a while. So, I don't know if it'll prompt me to, you know, go after like uh, Clone Wars or, or Rebels per se. Um, there's something about, I think with, with these, for me, the entertainment value is so much more in the live action necessarily than like the, the deepness and richness of the, uh, I don't say just, just the story, but like the really like expanded universe. Sure. Kind of extra. You're info. not ready for the lore dump. Right. 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 All the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I'd say in general, it probably, it probably helped. I I couldn't I couldn't say that if I had watched them again like a year after seeing them the first time, you know, yeah. and that's still being like twelve years ago at this point, um, that it would have had some different kind of lasting effect. If I I don't know if I revisit again in maybe like a year year and a half, yeah, maybe I'll I'll because this time was definitely much more like seeing it literally like for the first time again. Yeah. And so, like, next time having, like, knowing a lot of the more high points of, of what to expect and what where the story is going in each of the chapters, I can just, like, take it in a little bit better. Well, I know even just the, the Binge Mode podcast, because they go deep into a lot of their explanations and, and uh, dissections of the movie and stuff. Is mm-hmm. that helping you get a better appreciation for those movies, too? Yeah, it actually is. Uh, so I've been trying to keep up on their episodes i obviously haven't been listening to the mandalorian ones um i did i I really enjoyed the rogue one discussion um i actually kind of enjoyed the the solo discussion though i don't i still don't have much of a desire to go back and revisit that already um i figure like once in the theater was enough for a little bit okay um but on, on the other chapters yeah because like I said, there, oh, just over time, there's so much of the minutia of what's happening around the main story that my mind just blocks away, and, yeah. and I don't retain. Um, so yeah, when, when like through these kinds of discussions too, where we are, 
you know, all the things that are on the periphery of what's really happening are emphasized and pointed out to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do have that part, you know, that that is in my mind. And now we're shining a light on that. No, oh, yeah, I guess that does make more sense. Right. And I understand why that's there more, why I should care, why it's significant. Right. What the fact that it plays another role other than filling something on the screen. <laughs> that's fair. So, so can I toss you a question, Josh? Of course. Um, you, you've seen the trailers for Rise of Skywalker or no? I saw the first one. Actually, I think I by this point, I think I've seen the second one because it started playing in theaters in the last like month. Uh, I know that wasn't there like a brand new one that was just released like a week or two ago. I'm not going to talk about those ones. You saw the first one, though. The Yeah. So the one that Brian has seen. I saw the very first one. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like the one the one that they first put out at Celebration. Right. And you hear Palpatine's laugh at the end of it. At the end. Yeah. 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 So I'm just wondering from your perspective, somebody that knows very little about any of this. What do you think that's about? Specifically see, because, the laugh. I mean, well, we see him die at the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. So I'm just I just want an, a complete outsider's theory on what's coming. Mm-hmm. That's all, without oh. getting into anything that's in the trailers that Brian hasn't. Yeah. Seen. Um, I so I'm gonna probably gonna disappoint you because I am not smart enough to come up with any <laughs> theories beyond he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know you were definitely fishing for something a bit more meaty there. No, no I, I, just, I, I just I just wanted to see what you had if you had any. Crazy I mean, yeah, ass that, ideas that, that is come it. off the wall because there's all kinds of theories out there right now, and most of them that, are and that's the thing. I dog shit. I think since but... I don't probably since I don't hold and I, I don't retain enough of this deeply enough, and I don't have the extra background lore and the novels and the television shows, etc. There's not there's not nearly as many pieces floating out there for me to try to grasp at straws and try to connect dots that are out there. Well, that's what I mean. I, um, I, I was meaning without trying to connect the dots or anything. All you like, all, all you've got is he's not dead. I mean, if there, if I'm sure there's a lot to it more than that, but I would assume at the minimum that's what they're trying to convey. Josh, that's all I got so far. So <laughs> we're on the same page. I, I was just looking for anything he, he, he might have that could be interesting to be like, holy crap, Josh is the one that never watches Star Wars, and he was the one that was right. Just for uh, no, I unfortunately but... got. I mean, if you want to make, if you want me to make something off the, up off the top of my head, like based on what we talked about tonight, maybe uh, he learned enough from uh, his master and with his own experience that he figured out a way to, uh, like maybe he actually did die, but he, you know, figured out ways with the the force to affect and reverse his own death. Fair enough. Reversed his own death. Did die, reverse death. I will sure. keep that in mind as Josh's theory. <laughs> Died, reversed. I mean, and that's, that's the only theory I have in relation to that person as to what the hell is going to happen <laughs> with anybody else or what the story is really about. I got nothing. Acceptable. <laughs> uh, Andy, I want to come back to you quickly. Um, rewatching them probably most recently out of anybody uh any better or worse appreciation for the movies i'd say i have a a better appreciation for them okay watching them again anything specific stuck out to you to push you one way or the other um i i think i I mentioned it earlier i hayden christensen's performance wasn't as 
fucking atrocious as I originally <laughs> thought that it was. <laughs> uh, especially in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I don't know. I, I agree that some of his lines are garbage, but I don't think that you could do much with what he was given. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I was just like, oh yeah, look, it's Vader. And then I was like, holy shit, I'm not seeing Hayden Christensen. I'm seeing, you know, like a character that I like. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I always, it was always just like, ah, oh, fuck, it's Hayden Christensen trying to play <laughs> Vader again. You know, it, I actually like, I don't know, I'm accepting of it now. So I was like, oh, this is actually more enjoyable now. Nice. Okay. Let's not forget the worst line that is delivered by Vader in the entire prequel trilogy is not delivered by Hayden Christensen. So. You guys were talking about it when I first showed up tonight. <laughs> yeah, talking about the, the no. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's atrocious. That, uh... I wonder who watched that in in like post production and was like, "That's that's the one." What were the ones that were cut that they that they had like James Earl Jones do the no for, and it, it was like, not that one. I want to hear those. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you do you want to hear those for for comedy? One's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One's to enough. see what got rejected and just to see maybe there's actually a good one in there and they were like nah not that one uh, yeah well okay well that'll be your homework i, I don't I want think i do with anymore <laughs> so my homework is breaking into skywalker ranch and finding old tapes of <laughs> yes find the outtakes let's let's dive into that on the show yeah after that's a good point after seeing what made it in what the what what was shot that they deemed too bad <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, that could be a dark, dark rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> um, all right, just to sort of wrap it up, around the horn, uh, give us your ranking for the three prequels. In, favorite in relation middle, just to those three. Favorite. Yeah, not the Star Wars movies as a whole, okay. just the prequels. Where you're at? Uh, I'll go first. I I guess I'd say probably still like Revenge is first. And I don't know. I may honestly, I think one, one and two could just go either direction. Like it, <laughs> be, there, there's a, there's certain things about the, about phantom that are boring. Okay. And I think the, the chosen dialogue and, and things are, are so badly delivered but then, again, it's not a fault of his, I, I guess. But I'll, I'll, I don't. I, I feel I like didn't I, mean to break you, Josh. No, I, I, I thought it was a simpler question. Well, for, for for you guys, I'm sure it's probably more straightforward. But I, I'm actually like, you probably have this like in your head very quickly. I, I'm trying to give a little bit of analysis to it. I think if you, I hate to say it, if you took out most of Anakin and Padme in Attack of the Clones, I'd like it better. I, yeah, I'll agree to that. Yeah, there's a lot to that movie that isn't all that bad. I mean, the whole creation of the army and, like I said, Christopher Lee's character. Uh, there's a lot to it that is pretty good. But Boba Fett, Orange Battle of Geonosis is yeah, awesome. Yeah, Geonosis. like all that stuff's pretty cool. But so much yeah, the of the part it, you're supposed to care about is dominated. the part that needs to go. It really does. <laughs> Central plot. <laughs> yeah. We made a theme song for what you're supposed to care about, but well, see, that's the sad thing too. If the if the if the love story gets cut from Attack of the Clones, we don't get that love theme, which is fantastic music. 
Um, all right, so you're you're three, and then one and two interchangeable. Yeah, I guess. Like, if rank. I could take half of each of them away and somehow like smash them together. <laughs> um, Andy, where do your three fall? I'm gonna go one, three, two. Okay. Any any particular reason you took one above three? I thought you'd go three. Fucking love Qui Gon Jin. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Fucking love him. I just, I, I think he's awesome in that movie, uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Uh, Mike, where are you at? Where's your three? It's really, like, can I say 1A, 1B, and then, like, 12? No. Um, no, I'm not letting you slide with that shit anymore. Nope. You didn't let me slide with it last time. I had to change my entire fucking list because we talked about it ahead of time and I didn't get to slide with it. Um, so, here, I, I I say three, one, two. And there's a big gap between one and two. That's why I say like one and one A, and then like twelve. Like it's the like yeah. Attack of the Clones is way further below because of what Andy said, Qui Gon Jinn, but also Darth fucking Maul is like it's yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. like these things are as bad as some parts of things can be. Every movie has its faults. The Phantom Menace is no different, but it has Qui Gon and Darth Maul and obi-wan and it, it just like <laughs> there's so much good there and i still struggle to put it above revenge of the sith just because i feel like there's more things about the phantom menace that i don't care to rewatch, and i feel like i would fast forward through some of it i feel like i do mm, okay. quite often and i just sit and watch revenge of the sith from start to finish and I kind of skip yeah. around Phantom Menace because I don't need to see the trade talks and shit. Like what the, like the pod racing and stuff like that. You don't really care about. Uh, why does the no. pod racing get shit yeah, on so much? I, I, I like, like that. the pod race, all the lead up to it, and you know, little Anakin talking about Gardola the Hut and being a slave sucks and all this. And I'm like, I get it. Let's can we go? Like, can <laughs> we get to the race? Um, <laughs> For me, it also is a little bit that the race goes on and on and on. It is a very long race. It's like a half hour. Without seeming like minutes, a lot of the least. additional footage is really adding anything, except like look at look look at George play. George got a toy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, I it, get it, that. You want to see something really awesome about that whole scene, Josh? Hmm. There, there was a thing they showed at Celebration this year where – one of the guys from ILM came on and talked about how they created that set. That okay. entire racetrack was a miniature. It was like a, hmm. I don't know the scale size because I'm mm-hmm. not good with that. But it was, I, I if I had to guesstimate like four feet high or so, they showed this guy crawling around in this entire set. They hmm. built the whole damn thing. So while there, pretty cool. there, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of practical effects, some of it still was there. And... Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's one that's of the cooler funny, things I remember from like, Celebration this year, watching it on YouTube, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I think most of the, the people in the stands for that prop were Q-tips, just painted different colors. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really cool thing to look back on how they did that. And I think that gave me, and even like seeing that this year, it gave me even more appreciation for that scene. Fair enough. But uh, My ranking, I'm I'm on pace with Andy, I think. Phantom Menace is, is, has come around in, in the year since as my top one. Revenge of the Sith is too. Um, and probably more like Mike, Attack of the Clones is way at the bottom. I think I think 
I don't know really what it is over the years of Phantom Menace, but I think just seeing the beginning of the story, I think, plays better than seeing the end of it. I think Revenge of the Sith for me just feels so rushed with some of the stuff that they try to do that it, it kind of turns me off from it. I like it kind of like the maybe the slower setup and burn of what episode one is. Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, all awesome. Pod race, awesome. The, the fight that you see in the third act of Phantom Menace with Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul is still my favorite fight i will take that over anakin and obi-wan really yes that's a, that's a close there one. is a lot of really fucking good choreography in, in yes anakin obi-wan i think i think nothing against the way they they choreographed that i think the editing for that fight irritates me fair there's a couple um shaky cam there's a couple moments there where they, it jumps around a little bit so and just the fact that they go out on like the the fucking weird places to fight like just stay on the landing platform and fight each other why do you have to go whole through the fucking facility that i don't know i i felt like there's also one really weird moment in that fight where they do the force fist or the force palm like right at each other and it's like oh they're gonna they're gonna touch see i that part i like (laughs) i think the editing part of it like they i like i like that part i mean yeah the um Whenever, whenever uh, they first start fight, and Anakin like flips around and starts fighting Obi Wan, and they start backtracking across the platform, it's this. If you watch the editing, it's the same move that they cut from four different angles right after each other. So you're seeing literally the same move from four different angles, yeah. just cut together. It's not a fast paced fight. It's just the same thing shown four different ways. Yeah, crap like that irritates and me. And definitely <laughs> in Phantom Menace at the end there with. More specifically with Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, you get a pretty good uncut sequence of them fighting. Yes. Where you just see just... the choreography coming together, and you know yeah. it took Ray Park and Ewan McGregor a long time to get that right. But they did it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I you know, I've seen the behind-the-scenes stuff of Anakin and of uh, Hayden and uh, Ewan McGregor fighting, so I know they did all that stuff, and they, they probably... They obviously did it on set when they filmed it. It's just, I don't know, the way that f- the final product of it came together is cool, but in repeat viewings for me, it doesn't, I don't think, hold up as well for me compared to Phantom Menace. So it's just a little bit of my justification, I guess. That's fair. And who knows, five years from now, I could flip back around to Revenge of the Sith being my top one. The, these lists are always changing for me for Star Wars movies. It's all yeah, like- you might even flip back around to the Attack of the Clones. That I can, I think, go on record and forever say that will be my worst, <laughs> least favorite Star Wars movie. I mean, for me, Attack of the Clones, I can skip directly to the conversation with Dexter Jetster. Go from there directly to the battle on Kamino between Obi-Wan and uh, Django, and then go directly to the Battle of Geonosis. I'm good. That's all I need to see. Yeah, I agree. Those are probably the highlights for me, too. Um... Yeah, I think I think that's it for this. We could I'm sure we could revisit the prequels again somewhere down the line. If we come at this with another angle we want to kind of dive into is and hopefully not just spiral into like here's prequel talk again, but if we get, if we can find an angle for these, I I definitely think we could revisit. Maybe something comes up in Rise of Skywalker that Which changes is true. our view yeah. of the prequels in some way. It gives us some reason to come back and analyze all that stuff again. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think that's it for us. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us that five-star rating and review. You can follow us or subscribe to us to keep up with the show 
whatever platform of choice you have, whether it be Spotify's I Spotify, Spotify iTunes, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, we're on Anchor, we're we're all over the place. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, search Bry Guy and Super Friends, or go to Facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. You can email us, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. Try us. We'll see if we get back to you. Uh, tweet us on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. Uh, we'll get back to you there. I'm sure of it. And on behalf of Andy, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. We'll talk to you next time. No. No. Uh, no. No.